Hello, hello, guys. Welcome back to Strength Talk. My name is Coach Lauren, and I am your host. And in today's episode, we are talking all about programming, periodization, and RPE, and what all of those things mean in the realm of your uh, general fitness journey, but also if you are a an athlete and what that means for you, and how fitness professionals use those tools to elicit specific results for you or help you elicit specific results based on your goals. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Welcome to Strength Talk, the ultimate podcast catered to women embracing evidence-based fitness and mindful nutrition. I'm Coach Lauren, your guide to a holistic and sustainable approach to health. Say goodbye to restrictive diets, over-exercising, and unrealistic beauty standards. It's time to discover your true potential beyond aesthetics. Join us for science-backed advice, myth-busting, and empowering stories. This is Strength Talk, where femininity meets vitality. Hello, hello, guys. Welcome back to Strength Talk. I am super excited for every episode. I feel like I feel like I'm always going to say because I am, because I developed these episodes and I'm very excited about them. I'm very excited to talk about these things. And today in particular is something that I have been working on, um, not just my own personal skills with, but also my knowledge of like the history of these things and also um, how to apply them more and more to my clients. I'm constantly developing my knowledge and I'm really excited to share that with you today. So uh, like I mentioned in the intro, we are going to talk about programming and periodization. And when I talk about programming and periodization and cycles and block training and RPE and all of that, what the heck do I mean? What the heck do other fitness professionals mean when they talk about those things, how it applies to you in your specific journey, and what and how they can help you achieve the goals that you've set for yourself. So we're going to start with periodization. And these are just general terms that um, fitness professionals use mostly when we talk to each other. Sometimes when we talk to clients, if it is relevant to them, um, but we mostly use it to talk about it to talk to each other about things and to educate one another or to share our specific methodologies and what we use and all of that stuff. So periodization is a concept of training. Um, And when I talk about training, I mean, working out or when it, when we talk about it in terms of athletes, we talk about uh, yes, exercises that they're doing, but sport specific exercise. So um, periodization is a overall concept of of training and working out that deals with the division of the training process into specific phases. Okay. And when we talk about, I'm not going to go deep into each one of those phases because I'm not here to educate you, to help you be a trainer or a coach. I am here talking about Um, talking to you as if you are a client, as if you are someone in the general population who is not going to apply this to your own clients, okay? Knowledge of the specific phases and breaking those specific phases down is something that a trainer, 
and a coach, and even sometimes physical therapists, sports medicine, those types of people are going to use in order to help their clients achieve their specific goals. For you in particular, all that you need to know is periodization is the overall concept of training, while programming is the manipulation of the variables within each phase of training. Um, for example, like repetition sets and like load or the weight that you use um, that we change and manipulate uh, to bring about specific adaptations and specific results within a specific period of time or that particular phase of periodization. Okay, so we have known about training and periodization and in forms of periodization and forms of programming for a very, very long time. It is pretty much ancient knowledge, but um, there is a Russian physiologist. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's not important that you need to know his name. Um, but he really developed this uh, periodization concept with the different phases after analyzing the 1952 and 1956 Summer Olympics. And he observed the athletes within that Olympic period um, and observed their training and they observed their performance. And he created the systematic approach, not necessarily created, but defined the specific approach um, and further developed it into sports-specific goals to achieve optimal performance and increase someone's athletic potential. In 2001, um, there was a Ukrainian professor um, that was uh, appointed by the International Olympic Committee for his comprehensive work in developing the general theory of sports training and sports-specific periodization. And um, so it was basically, you're looking at ancient Greeks and ancient and medieval Europe used these training concepts at, in general, but it was never defined. In the 1950s, there was a Russian guy who defined all of that. And then in, in, um, in 2001, there was a Ukrainian guy who was recognized for his work d further developing these concepts, okay? The point here is that we have known about these concepts for a very, very long time, okay? And recently, we have been in the last, you know, 100 years or so, we've just begun defining these concepts, the last 70 years, 75 years, okay? Um periodization as a whole or someone's training plan should be dynamic and should be adapted to the specific person and their specific goal. That's what we know creates the best results when it comes to overall, not just athletic potential, but fitness potential and health potential. Okay, so we know these things. We know that training and working out needs to be specific to the person. Okay, so now that specificity can vary. You can purchase a general training plan that checks most of your boxes and follow that plan and get amazing results. You can get something custom. 
okay, that is very specific to you and get incredible results and get amazing results. You can choose whichever one. Now, a lot of people prefer the custom over the non-custom training plans because custom usually comes with someone like me and a coach to help you adapt to your specific needs, whether you have previous injuries, nagging injuries, whether you have mobility issues and struggles, or you're working around something, or you're working with a condition or um, autoimmune disorder or whatever. When you look at general training plans, I think that they are great. I create them myself, and I think that they can be a great tool for the vast majority of people in the world, as long as you are reading and knowing what you're getting into when you're getting into that specific training plan, okay? Um, and so we, while a lot of the research, the initial research around periodization and programming stems from the Olympics and athleticism and, and, and athletes and developing their potential, we also know that this directly translates to the general population when we look at the health of the population, when we look at generating results within the population, and when we look at different tools and different bodily responses to training. And there are three that I want to touch on very quickly that are required within periodization programming and all of those things um, that help bring about the specific goals that we have for ourselves, whether it's just strength and power, whether it's muscle building and body recomposition, whether it's just fat loss, whether it's endurance training and, and running, or whether it's sports specific training as well. So we, there are three concepts that a lot of people don't think about when they think, you know, someone like me who's just putting exercises together in a specific way and um, not really thinking about it. I specifically think of these principles when I am developing a training plan, no matter if it's a custom training plan for my clients, no matter if it's a general training plan for my clients. And I think a lot of times, um, you know, training plans can, can be super general and super, you know, not really in depth. Um, and not fall into the category of these things and not check these boxes. And those are the type of training plans I would say that you're going to find for free. You're going to find at a low price and you're going to find by um, influencers because they don't know what they're doing and they don't understand these concepts. Okay. Um, and these three specific concepts are the general adaptation syndrome, which is a syndrome that describes how the body responds and adapts to stress that is placed on the body. For adaptations to occur or for our body to adapt to that stress, the body has to be confronted with the stressor of some form. And then that stressor creates the need for response. And what that means in the general consensus of training is that in order to create change in your body, you have to place some sort of stress on it. And a lot of people think that, you know, they're, they're on one extreme or the other. They think that they shouldn't place any stress on the body or they place way too much stress on the body to where their body has trouble adapting. So 
that happy finding that happy medium is something that for someone like me i am an expert and i know and understand how to do that for specific people everyone is different in the amount of stress that their body needs to elicit those responses okay and over time especially when it in terms of strength and muscle building the body is going to require more of you in order to create that change um especially if you are getting to an advanced stage of athleticism and and those types of things um the second principle is these what's called the said principle or specific adaptations to oppose demands principle okay so what this means is that the human body will adapt specifically to the demands and the responses and the stresses placed on it. Um, it is essentially uh, a concept that we know and we learn and we apply in healthcare and in fitness and in physical therapy and all of those things, okay? In order for... And this is the same concept of like a vaccine, okay? The vaccine, vac most vaccines anyway, are created from the actual virus that it's meant to prevent. So we're putting an acute stress on the body so that the body can create a response to that to prevent us from getting the disease or the illness. It's the same concept. The same concept applies to the training. If I want to be able to fully squat to do a full squat ass to grass okay i am going to have to put stress on my body to be able to get down to that level now that stress is going to come in many different forms it's also going to depend on my my exercise history the amount of stress i can handle and what is placed on my body it's also going to depend on um if I have any tightness or weakness in other muscles and how you develop that, that exercise plan is going to be specific to the person. Okay. So the last one is going to be progressive overload and progressive overload is increasing the load on the body in a variety of ways in order to generate that change okay a progressive overload is required of any muscle building or strength training adaptation it's also applicable to any much other types of training but especially to muscle building especially to strength training you have to progressively overload the body in a systematic way in order to elicit change okay and all three of those together, all the only thing that you need to take away from this is that it's not just as simple as increasing the weight, increasing the reps, or increasing the sets, or all three, or a combination of all three, um, every single week in order to elicit change in your body. We can do this in a variety of different ways. We can add stress to the body in a variety of different ways, and in varying amounts, in order to help you elicit specific change in the body, okay? So going back to programming, periodization, cycles, all of those things, because I know that there is some buzz and some talk about cycling. And in my personal opinion, I think a lot of people talk about these things just to make themselves sound smart, but they don't actually know what they mean. So we're going to talk about what they mean. And I think that 
uh, a lot of people who aren't trainers use them and don't quite understand what they mean. Um, I, mean I can tell you right now, <laughs> I don't use these terms. These are terms for things, but I don't use them when I'm talking to clients and even uh, other fitness professionals because I think that it's kind of redundant and it's kind of, in my opinion, it's more complicated to use these terms than to just say what you mean, okay? So, for example, periodization. I use the term programming because I feel like programming people think if I'm on a program, like, that is going to elicit specific results. That's all you need to know, really. Um, I don't really use the term periodization, even though I kind of use programming as periodization. But anyway, so I want to talk about the different types of cycles that you can go into as part of like a planning process for developing a periodization, uh, periodization strategies. So um, I talked about periodization and that there are phases of periodization. When I'm looking at developing periodization for either a client or a general program, I'm going to think about it in terms of cycles. And while my brain doesn't necessarily think of like, what are the cycles? This is essentially what I do without thinking about it. And you'll see what I mean in a second. So there are macro cycles, meso cycles, and micro cycles. So macro cycles are the high-level cycles used to plan out a periodization over a long length of time, such as several months or a year. When we talk about mesocycles, we're talking about those intermediate lengths of time that we break down um, the macrocycle into more specific phases over several weeks or several months. And then the microcycles are going to be the more granular um, focuses and the acute training differences. So for example, right now I'm developing a 12-week program, okay? A 12-week periodization uh, focused around strength, training, conditioning, and mobility, okay? So when I, when I thought about developing this program, I'm thinking about it in terms of the macro cycle. Okay, the macro cycle is going to be the 12 weeks. The three months, that's three months is the macro cycle. The mesocycle is going to be four-week periods. So the cycles, you're going to go through three mesocycles within that 12-week macrocycle. And then you have your microcycles, which are going to be the variations and differences from week to week within each mesocycle, okay? This could be done on a six-month basis. It could be done on an annual basis. Um, but that is what I'm thinking about in the term, in terms of that, but I don't write down, like I, I do a lot of planning on my whiteboard and on my piece of paper, but I don't write down mezzo, my macro, you know, I don't write down all of that. I write down 12 weeks. I write down first four weeks, I write down second four weeks. I write down third four weeks and I write down what I want to accomplish within those periods of time because that's basically what it means. And I don't need to think about it in terms of these fancy words that you can just use. Like this is your first cycle, second cycle, third cycle, essentially. Now we may have different goals within each cycle, but yeah. Um, so the length of, of a training plan, like this is a 12 week plan. 
that's going to vary per client and per goal. So this training, this generic plan that I'm um, creating, and I say generic like it's a bad term, but it's not this pre-made or done for you program that I'm creating called Illuminate Strength. So Illuminate Strength is for those who just want to work on their health from a strength training perspective, from a conditioning perspective, from a mobility perspective, moving well, getting strong, and not focusing on how their body physically looks. Is this program going to elicit specific like physical adaptations? Yes, it can do that. It can build muscle. It can help you burn fat. It can help you um, change your body composition. Is everyone going to have those same results? No. So I'm not going to say that. But um, that's going to vary. How I program custom programs for my clients are going to vary per client. I have some clients where I develop a, I look at, you know, when I'm thinking about long term for them, let's say they sign up for six months of coaching for me, with me. I'm going to look at, okay, what can we accomplish in that six months? That's going to be our macro cycle. Our meso cycle is going to be um, maybe we switch things up every two months. Okay, so that may be our meso cycle is every two months we switch things up or we take a look at their programming and we take a look at changing. And then the micro cycles are going to be those eight week programs. or I may have a client who we need to address things on a more frequent basis, which is not necessarily something that I do all the time. And I'll talk a little bit about why that is later. Um, But that's essentially what I do. I look at how long that client has booked me for as part of my macro cycle. During the meso cycles, we're looking at um, what... uh, what we can achieve in smaller increments and in smaller bro- blocks and breaking it down. And then the micro cycles are breaking it down even further. I feel like I just repeated myself. So I apologize. Um, within, I want to switch gears and talk about micro cycles. I want to talk about programming and I want to talk about those variables that we may change during each phase of the training program. Um, to elicit specific results, all right? So variations um, and the variables that I might change in within a program, um, maybe things like uh, volume or reps times sets times weight, the intensity, which is going to be the weight or the use or the load, um, I may change the reps. I may change the rest time. All of these things are changing to help a client continue progressing and avoiding plateaus. Okay, I'm a plateau is essentially where progress remains stagnant for a lengthy period of time. Now, everyone in their fitness journey is going to run into a plateau of some kind, whether it's a strength plateau, whether it's a muscle building plateau, whether it's a fat loss plateau, whether it's a speed plateau, whether it's a, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Pace plateau. Jeez. That really had, I was really struggling. I have to switch my brain to, um, endurance running right now. (laughs) That's hard. Anyway, 
without these variables, without variable stimuli or without varying stressors on the body, your neuromuscular system and even your uh, just body in general, how your body burns fat, your metabolism, all of those things will adapt to that current training plan. And over time, you're going to plateau. It's why we use that general adaptation syndrome. It's why we use progressive overload. It's why we use the said principle because we understand that no matter who you are, no matter what your goals are, no matter if you're an athlete or your general population, your body's going to adapt to that training stimulus. And so that training stimulus needs to change every four to eight weeks um, or as needed to help you avoid a plateau and help you continue to make progress. And all of those things can vary from person to person. And so I would say if you don't necessarily, if you were someone who doesn't necessarily need a coach, you pretty much follow a plan. You may have questions every now and then, like something like Illuminate Strength would be great for you and it would be great, a great program to try out. Let's say you go through the 12 weeks, you don't really see a lot of progress. It may be that you need a different stimulus on your body in order to elicit different progress. Okay. So I want to talk about general goals and I want to talk about the rep ranges, um, the volume and the rest periods that we look at when we look at, um, when I'm, when I'm thinking about programming and this is just, this is just in general. Okay. So when we look at endurance, okay, endurance training, we're going to look at high rep, lower weight, and shorter rest periods, okay, when we look at muscular endurance. I prefer to use that sort of style training when someone first starts with me, um, especially if they desire to strength train and or build muscle of any kind. High rep, low weight, short rest periods because this helps prepare their body for exercise. All right. It's part of the phases that we talked about within periodization. When we talk about hypertrophy or muscle building, bodybuilding style training, that is hypertrophy. We're looking at a rep range from eight to 15 reps and we look at moderate weight. Like you want to, within that eight to 15 rep range, you want to get close to what's called mechanical failure or form failure or failing to maintain form. And we're looking at moderate rest time. So when I talk about endurance, I'm talking about 15 or more reps up to 30, 50 reps. And then I'm talking about low, 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 low weight and rest periods of like sometimes even five to 10 seconds up to maybe 30 to no more than 45 seconds for sure. When we look at hypertrophy or bodybuilding style training, we're looking at rest periods between um, 45 seconds to 90 to 90 seconds. Uh, for those eight to 15 rep ranges and sets of like anywhere from three to like five or six sets. When we look at strength training, okay, and this is what bugs me. I just downloaded an app by a very popular fitness influencer. I'm not going to say what it is, okay? 
when I look at the beginner program that's given to everyone when they start this app, it says strength training. When I click on the workout and I see rep ranges of 8 to 15, which is literally what this is, that is not strength training. And in my opinion, a beginner in their first six weeks should not be even doing hypertrophy, should not be even doing strength training. What we know as fitness professionals and what we've been taught, this person is an influencer and I'm not confident has been taught these things. What we know and we what we know is best for people is to operate within that low load, high rep, low rest periods. And I'm looking at this right now and it says like, Let's see. Let's see. Let me start this workout. I definitely. All right. So when I look at. I look at 90 seconds of rest. So hypertrophy. This is not. (laughs) Strength training. Okay. So when you say. When people say strength training. And you have some high reps in there. Higher reps. And like moderate rest, you should kind of question it. When we talk about strength training, we're talking about anywhere from one up to eight reps at most. We're talking about moderate to heavy loads, heavy, heavy loads, and longer rest periods. So rest periods of at least two minutes up to four minutes. Um, And I would say You know, you could even go as low as 90 seconds, but I would say 90 seconds at the absolute lowest, up to even four minutes. And then we have power training, and power is going to be those low, low reps, so one to five reps. We're going to have highest load, so max load for that one to five reps, and we're going to have high amounts of rest periods. So resting anywhere from, I would say three to sometimes eight to 10 minutes, depending on the set, depending on the load, depending on the athlete uh, or the client. So that just gives you a general idea of what each style of training falls into. Now that is not everything, you know, you can work on plyometrics, agility, all of those things, but those are going to be in general kind of the process that I would take a client through, starting with endurance, moving to hypertrophy, mixing in some strength, and then moving on to to power if that's something that they desire. Within um, my program, my new program that's coming out in April, um, Illuminate Strength, Illuminate Strength is, is going to be focused on that hypertrophy strength. We're not going to really get into power just yet. I have more iterations of that program coming out that we may get into power training. But for now, we're going to focus on endurance, hypertrophy, and strength alone. So, um, let's see. Okay, so one thing that I get also a lot of questions on that I wanted to clarify are there two different types of periodization. Um, there is linear and, and nonlinear or undulating periodization. What linear periodization means and the difference between linear periodization and undulating is that linear 
is just like it sounds, it is a linear progression of rep sets load or combination of one of those or two of those or three of those. So it's basically a basic, a basic form of linear periodization is like week one, you do a five by five of squats at 100 pounds. Week two, you do a five by five of squats at 105 pounds. Week three, you do a five by five of squats at 110 pounds. Week four, you do a five by five of squats at 115 pounds and so on. That's linear periodization. We're moving up in a very linear fashion. We don't have varying degrees of uh, stimulus. Undulating periodization is going to be a slightly different. We're still putting progressive stress on the body but we may do let's say um one week we may do a high volume low intensity session and then a low volume high intensity session the next week so we may vary the volume and intensity from week to week depending on um what week we're on and the training intensity that we need to be at depending on the person i personally lean more to the undulating periodization side of things because I find that more people are going to plateau with linear periodization unless you are brand fresh infant new at fitness and strength training. Most people will plateau with quicker with linear periodization. So I want to talk about why linear periodization is important. Now, Obviously, I am biased because this is my background. This is what I'm taught. This is what I'm taught to to apply in my career. And I use it and I and and I apply it and religiously and I love it because my clients get results. But when we talk about why it's actually important, a client may not reach their full potential without it. Does every single person need to be on periodization all the time, constantly, every single day of their lives? No. And I will say I am not, I have not been on periodization every single day of my life either. I enjoy it because it gives me structure. It gives me goals to look forward to. And it makes sure that I am hitting the work capacity and and that that I need in order for those adaptations to occur in order for me to reach my goals. Without periodization, it is a complete guessing game on whether or not you are hitting the stimulus that you need in order to elicit the specific results you have for yourselves. And I'm bouncing in my chair. Oh, whoops. I keep like punching my, (laughs) my mic. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, I think sometimes it takes a while to determine what you want and the goals that you want for yourself in your fitness journey. And so a lot of people are kind of floating through their fitness journey and don't fully understand what they want, which is totally fair and totally fine. I just encourage you, if you are thinking about starting some sort of periodization or programming, to pick a goal that you want to work on and that you're kind of passionate about working on, work on it for three months with a period periodization program, and then see how you feel after that. 
Because nine times out of 10, what ends up actually happening is that a lot of people actually enjoy that style of programming because they can see and feel the results versus guessing. It's not just about guessing the exercises because honestly, like you could go through all the machines in the gym and get a decent workout. It's about the variables that happen within periodization that actually gets you from A to B faster than if you were just kind of guessing on whether or not you were hitting what you needed to hit in order to get those results. So we're going to flip over to the last section of the podcast today, which is going to be the RPE scale and why I really like using RPE training. Um, So to give you a little bit of a background, RPE, or rate of perceived exertion, was originally developed by a Swedish researcher called uh, by the name of Gunnar Borg. Now, I'll always remember his name because... My my best friend back here is named Gunnar. So Gunnar Borg invested in this tool in the 1960s um, to allow participants to rate how they feel during a workout to measure the intensity of their exercise. And and this scale is just a n- numerical values of dis- assigned to describe how the exerciser might feel um, on a scale from no exertion to maximum effort. So. It's similar to if you go to the doctor and they ask you what your pain is on a scale of 1 to 10. This is similar, but on a a point of exertion. Okay. So um, there's several variations of an RPE scale. Um, The Borg RPE scale goes from 6 up to 20. Um... And the regular RP scale may go from 0 to 10, I believe. Why did my... I think my light is dying. Um, That's why it just, like, changed for some reason. So weird. Anyway, so with using the scale, um, I like to use a 0 to 10 just because I feel like most people relate to that. Um, and I use, like to use it in the sense of reps in reserve or RIR. So when we talk about, when I, when I talk about an RPE of seven, I want my client to have three reps in reserve before they hit mechanical failure or form breakdown or form failure. Okay, and I have a nice pretty chart that I use for that that I will upload for any of our uh, uh, Patreon subscribers. Jeez, my brain is not, not working. So, with casual lifting or general population lifting, I like using the RP scale in, in ranges of like five to maybe eight or nine at the very most nine at the absolute most. And I don't use nine very often. Um, when I talk about bodybuilding, I'm going to use those moderate 
weight. So like eight to 10 reps, I'm, I'm going to use a more, a higher rep range. So I may say an RP of seven to nine and a half. And then sometimes if it's like what's called a burnout set or a, like a finisher, um, I may say at a maximum effort of 10. And then for my power lifters or my strength athletes, who are competitive, I'm going to use an RPE of even higher, seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, nine, depending on where they're at in their program. Okay. And I'm flipping back and forth, which is why you're probably seeing the light switch to my Word doc with all my notes. So that's what's happening. Um, when, and I even use this for programming for my, for the nonprofit that I work for, for my um, Parkinson's athletes. So they should operate on an RP scale of seven to eight on a regular basis. So programming to make sure, depending on what level class it is, they're getting that RPE seven to eight challenge of the class, um, in order to elicit specific results for Parkinson's, um, and, um, they're getting those health benefits of the exercise that they need. So, um, so the RPE scale is not meant to be a perfect uh, guessing game all the time. You don't have to be perfect at it and you shouldn't be perfect at it. It takes time, but it's very, 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 very powerful for tuning into the body and trusting yourself and trusting that you know what to do and also feeling out the different stimulus of the body. So I like to say... I like to use, um, when I'm talking to my clients about using the RPE scale, I like to say that the first set, um, with an RPE is like, like you're starting to get it. Like you, you may choose a weight and guess for their first set. Your second set is really where you're going to depend or you're going to be able to tell, you're going to be able to tell, uh, where you're at on the RPE scale. And then the by the third, fourth plus sets, you should have a pretty good idea of where you're at. Um, maybe even sometimes the third set or even the fourth set, if this is your first time using RPE and you're not sure where you're pushing. The other benefit to RPE is it allows for the variations of the body, depending on where you're at in your cycle, depending on if you're sick or recovering from something, depending on maybe you've had low amounts of food, or maybe on the flip side, you've even had a little bit extra food and you're feeling really good and extra fueled and you want to push yourself. So, um, so the RPE scale is there to adapt to the changing variations of the body as well. Personally, I will use an RPE for my powerlifters, um, but when they're they're prepping for a meet, I'll use percent of max, so the percentage of their max weight, um, because I find that this is uh, really helpful because it gets them used to both. And my, that's what happened. My. <laughs> My light just died. Um, it gets them used to both and it gets them used to tuning into their body at the right times, but it also makes sure that they're hitting the marks that they need to hit in preparation for a meet. Okay. 
for my Patreon subscribers this week, you're going to get my RP scale and a description of how to use it for your own training, um, depending on what you're working on. So you're going to get my RP guide. Uh, if you have any questions about that, please, please, please let me know. If you are a Patreon subscriber, thank, thank you so much for supporting this podcast and um, supporting me getting this information out there. I appreciate you. If you want to be a Patreon subscriber, it's $8.99 a month. You can find the link in the show notes. Um, and inside Patreon, we are talking all things podcast stuff. So topics in the podcast, I give you a freebie or an extended episode after the podcast inside patreon so you get exclusive access um and then you get access to the podcast before they go live to the public so if you guys have any questions about patreon please 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 let me know if you could please share this podcast on social media like and subscribe if you're watching me on youtube or if you are on um any of the uh listening to me on any other platforms Please, 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 please uh, give me a review. Give me feedback. I'd also love to connect with you on social media. So if you share this podcast, tag me because I want to follow you. I want to follow your journey and all of those things. So that is all that I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.